I am Gentleman Josh Hill. I'm a Bellator bantamweight with a record of 21 and 4, ranked number 7 now in the world in bantamweight, and you're listening to Pro Sports Podcasters. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters, with your hosts, Nee Wallace-Bruce, Corbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world, covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We are something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. Welcome back to the Pro Sports Podcasters. I'm your co-host, NWB. And I'm joined by Kobe. Kobe, how you doing? I'm good, buddy. I'm good. How's it going? Not too bad. Not too bad. We got a big fish in the house today. In fact, it's the big tuna himself from Bellator MMA. So light heavyweight, Mr. Ben Parrish. Ben, how's it going? What's up, boys? How you guys doing today? I'm good. Now I gotta ask, where does big tuna come from? Are you big on tuna or something? Uh well, I am. Good. I love tuna. Like I'm the kind of guy. Like when I go on vacation to beaches and stuff, I I don't go to like get. I don't get crab legs and all that weak shit. I go with uh, tuna steaks. I try to get all of them. But the nickname comes from uh, a mob boss from Chicago named Tony Accardo, aka Big Tuna, and my boxing coach from Boston started calling me that in like 2011. And it just stuck, man. And that that day was my first MMA fight. They wrote my, they filled my info card out for me and everything, and they wrote my nickname. And I've had it's good luck to uh, bad luck to give yourself a nickname. So, man, I just I stuck with it. I loved it. There you go. I like some big tuna myself. I, I like tuna with rice, tuna with oh, yes. uh, cheese. I know everyone likes tuna with cheese. Sushi. I'm a fan. Yeah, yeah tuna, like tuna and uh, top ramen with a little cheese in it. It's really, you know, struggle yeah. meal, like five out of five. That's the business. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd actually talked to you a little bit before about the whole Big Tuna nickname, so I know where it came from. But that's that's a pretty cool backstory, buddy. I got to ask you, though, working your way up in MMA, what what's the pay difference like between something like Summit FC and Bellator? Without giving you the exact number, sure. About well, I, I'll tell you like the average number I make, and and I've made you know anywhere from five k as a regional fighter, but that's like selling ten thousand dollars in tickets and getting sponsorships and getting paid ticket percentage. I've probably made five, but dude, I, that's literally like full time job in it with yeah. my brother. My brother works nights. He's a manager at a furniture factory here in Mississippi. And so he, he sells tickets to a bunch of people on nights and I sell them to people on days. So like it was just, you know, a lot of people helping out. I probably could make, could make between five and average about anywhere from 1500 to three, give or take. Okay, so a huge difference. Yes, like it's very, and it, you know, it's guaranteed. But what they don't tell you is like I have to pay for my corners, hotels, COVID tests, medicals. Like I had to have a head scan and all, and a, a neurological exam by a neurologist to fight in California. You have to have a lot more medicals and then on top of everything else you spend while paying out there. And they, they withhold, they pre tax you. So you take, they get state tax automatically, which, 
it was nine hundred dollars in California two times, so they tax your win bonus too, so it's eighteen hundred. Shit. Yeah. It's not very glamorous and after my last fight, you know, I was really looking forward to stunting and, and locking in a huge deal. Which whereas now it's not very likely. Appreciate it, Mike Beltran. Okay, so I was going to ask, you have a manager that got you into Bellator or no? Yes, I do. And you have to pay them 20% as well. I'm glad you brought that up. But first round management, baby, they're the best. They get the best contracts. Okay, okay. A lot of it boils down to willingness. So, like, he might have some guys on his roster and he offers um, this Bellator fight with Edwards and, the, you know, some of these other guys from around here, they're like, nah, man, that dude's a badass. I don't want to do that. He might beat me. And it's like, dude, you're going to you're gonna hit 0% of the shots you don't take, and I'm that guy, man. I'm, I ain't even really that much of a uh, hooper, but I'll shoot it through my legs, dribble it, and, and shoot the three-pointer every single time, even if I don't hit it or not. Well, yeah, and from what you said, basically – got to take the fight, man. Yeah, if you don't take mm-hmm. that fight, you got to have – you're looking at five more fights in the regional promotion to make the same money. Making nothing to fight, and you're eventually going to fight a guy that is a badass, and you're going to fight him for nothing. And it happens yeah, all the right. time. And I took I took those fights. Like when I fought Teddy Holder, I don't know what the betting odds would have been, but I would have guaranteed been four to one underdog probably. He knocked Tiago Silva out, so like people were just mega scared of him. And like everybody in my hometown thought I was gonna die because he fought another guy from here and he knocked him out so bad he knocked like his whole bottom row of teeth out. And everybody, he swallowed some of his teeth. It was a real bad deal. Sure. So everybody was concerned. And it even to the point that my mom taught special ed for 30-something years. And a, a woman that she taught with that knew the guy that got his teeth knocked out came to her classroom crying, concerned for my health because oh, of what he did. This guy's a vet and, and, and coached me for a while. And they're like, do you really think he's going to do that? And my mom calls me squalling telling me not to do it and i was like ma you got to calm down this is what i do trust me i could pull guard and beat this guy and i just you know dropped him and submitted him then you know i had people telling me dude you can't even afford to try to punch him in the first round and i literally <laughs> dropped i dropped him with the check and and submitted him so like i said it's willingness if you're doing this every day and you want to have that kind of opportunity and job like dude you're gonna have to take a tough fight eventually and the only thing you could do is get as ready for it as possible and you need to do it now you don't need to wait until you get a bout agreement because i only got four weeks to fight collie yeah they called like a couple days before christmas and i I only had that short amount of time but i was already in physical shape like, I was conditioned really well. My cardio was on point for that fight, man. He was a lot stronger than me, but, I mean, I, he's supposed to be. You know, he's a Division One athlete. You know, I really wanted to win this fight and quit my job and focus on all that, man. And I should have done it. I should have done it beforehand, to be honest with you. It's the only thing. That and trying to kick him would be the only two things I would change. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Look, it was an unfortunate result. Ideally, you would have got the win, but. That's sometimes that's how it goes, you know. You boys be honest with me. You're right. You boys be honest with me. I've rewatched the fight. I'm a referee too, so I don't bitch about referee stoppages. I'm not gonna flame Mike Beltran. I love Mike Beltran. But that is one of the most bizarre stoppages I've ever seen in my life. Like it was a ten nine round, not a ten eight round. I made a one big mistake, man, and now I've told my students all week, if you make one big mistake, it will set you back that far. 
So you land in bottom side control against a D1 wrestler in 40 seconds into the fight, you know, you're going to have to chuck the round kind of. Because he's not trying. And, you know, uh, another – I could have tried a little harder. I kind of played possum with him on the ground too much before he would wear himself out. I kept underhooking him and get staying up under him and grabbing him to make him press me back down to the floor. I'm trying to get blood in his arms because most people didn't know that he's also like two-time Golden Glove state champ in Arizona. In my mind, my only thought for him to win was to knock me out in the first round. So I didn't really – I was trying to get him to commit to a punch so I could counterpunch him, and I got impatient and kicked him. Mm-hmm. Out of all the stoppages I've seen Mike Beltran run, like most of his fights are pretty violent. And it's my fault for for trusting in him. But, dude, I just can't. I blocked almost every punch he threw. He got more stitches than I did after the fight. I just don't understand the stoppage a little bit. But but I learned a lot. I really did. Uh, This has been the only thing on my mind all week was what I did wrong. I haven't complained about the fouls and none of that shit because it's not going to help me. Mike Beltran is one of the best refs. I fully agree. And, you know, maybe uh, this will be a blessing in disguise as far as learning. My only thing is I just hope Bellator will bring us back. You know, I, I don't know what they'll do next. Yeah, I mean, you're definitely a fan favorite. So they, I think they have to bring you back. Cole, what was your take on the fight? So I think they're looking at it as unanswered strikes when it comes right down to it as, as oh, far yeah. as the stoppage goes. But yeah, so part of what so works... Brother, that's, that's what kills me is that, you know, you can't, it gets so loud in there. I was talking to him the whole time. And when they said unanswered strikes, like I was moving every time he gave me a command. That's why I didn't understand it. Like he was hitting me on my glove. I was blocking those shots and he had my, the inside of my other glove. You know, I've had a lot of people messaging me, dude, I've watched a lot of Khabib and I'm a purple belt. Uh, <laughs> uh, I can help you get out of that Russian handcuff. <laughs> like if you did if you're not six over six foot 220 pounds and a division one athlete you're not going to help my case they like try to pretend like i don't train that stuff and uh <laughs> it's just funny man like i said i ain't even really that mad about it i was i'm pretty disappointed like i said because i wanted to get hit a big lick but you know maybe like i said blessing in disguise man i'm gonna really try to have a good attitude about all of it See, I, I thought it was premature, to be honest. I wanted to see if you could get round yourself two. out of the round. Yeah, for sure. And I think a big part of it, though, I mean, I, I don't know how much Beltran knows about you previous to Bellator, okay? But, I mean, certain fighters have reputations of weathering the storm. That was going to be my – I said it in a lot of pre-fight interviews, like, we will both be bleeding. Yeah. He'll be tired, though. And I've got, he's going to take me down and I'm going to fight him every step of the way. It's not like I wasn't fighting him back off my back. Yeah. I went for several submissions and a lot of those, I was really just trying to break his balance. The dude's heavy as shit, man. I got to give him his props, man. Sully Colley is, I ain't got nothing against that dude. He's, I got nothing but respect for him. I knew he was going to be the toughest guy I fought. And let me just, I'll say this. He'll fucking wash Christian Edwards. No oh, doubt yeah? in my mind. No doubt in my mind. But like I said, Three-time goal. I think that's the fight to make next if uh, Edwards wins, to be honest. Wouldn't you guys like to see that? Yeah, that would work. That would be cool. And, I, you know, I don't know. I, I would imagine that I'll probably fight Luke Trainer next if they call me back. I would like to do that. But, you know, part of me is wondering, do I go back to middleweight? What do you guys think? Well, how hard is the cut? It's not fun, but, I mean, I think if I took 
you know, like I said, if I took, went to at least work in part-time instead of full-time and really focused on it and did it the right way. So all the times I've made it seriously, I took, it's been like big show type stuff for me always because around here, nobody would fight me. Okay. You know, within region, like after a while, like when I beat Teddy Holder, it was like, you know, matching me was like matching the undertaker at WrestleMania. You like really never know <laughs> yeah. who's going to show up yeah. and they would, they could, they would seriously only find people until three weeks out. I fought Damian Melton on three weeks notice. I fought Link Patil on one week's notice. Cause all these other guys backed out. Funny story real quick. I don't know about you guys. I've ever heard some crazy back out stories. Have you ever heard any of those? Oh yeah. Okay. Well, I got a good one. I had a guy, he was on the poster to fight me. He was from Alabama and he calls the matchmaker a couple days later and was like, Hey man, I can't be on a, on the poster like that. And they were like, <laughs> why not? And he was like, well, I got several warrants here in Alabama. What? <laughs> and, uh, they'll come pick me up. <laughs> if, 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 if they find out I'm there on that day and time. And he was like, well, what are the warrants for? And he just didn't respond, and the, well, he didn't know the matchmaker's also a police officer, so he, like, dug in on it, and he had, he had done some shit. So, you know, but like I said, they've, they've always been, like, short notice, and I walk around at, like, 2.15, probably. I always okay. balance back out. Like, I've been eating a lot of junk food just for a few days. I've been eating kind of clean, too, because, like I said, I want to stay in the saddle. I went back to training Wednesday after I got back. I have two stitches, and I'm just training. Like I said, I'm going to stay in the saddle and, and get better for the next one, fix those mistakes. Mm. But if I could stay a, real, a lower, low 200s, I could cut it easy. But I, my, my concern is like I've always got injured fighting at 85, but I always did it in two or three weeks. Notice. Okay. Look, when I broke my leg, I don't know if this helped or not. I'm sure it didn't help at all, but I was 219 when I took the fight at middleweight against Logan Woods. And uh, I made I made 184, but it sucked. I mean, it was awful. But I I've never missed weight in my life, and I felt like I rehydrated good. Other than in that fight, I just I don't know what it is. I just always get injured, and it makes me skeptical about going. And as you've seen, like it's it's not really like I underperform at 205. Like yeah, that guy was a lot stronger than me in that last fight, but I also played his game a little bit too yeah. long. You know, I made I made the first big mistake by kicking him. I made the second big mistake on the ground when I let go of the underhook and sat back to guard. That was the dumb. I don't know why I did that either, because I'm not really I'm more of a wrestler myself, if that makes sense. But I, I honestly thought I could cook him and it was where it was working, dude. It was going to be like McGregor Mendez. <laughs> the only thing I'd wonder is if you do like when you drop down to to middleweight, if you lose some of your power because your heavy hands is your, is your weapon. Um, yeah, kind of so. But I mean, like I dropped this guy at middleweight like four times in the first round and then submitted him with a one-handed rear and could choke his brown belt from Arkansas named Jordan Fowler. And so I, I'm not sure, but maybe, but I, I'm also better than I was the last times I fought at middleweight. Okay. So I, it's one of those things, brother. Like I, I don't have that answer. And like the only person I could use as a scientist or, you know, new, real hardcore nutritionist. And I have a strength coach, but he ain't got me hooked up to machines and shit or anything like that. You know, like, uh, Ivan Drago. Before <laughs> <laughs> maybe right. the best but, Rocky. You know, if we, but if, if I could ever get to that level, I could probably make 170. Who knows? Everybody used to always tell me, bro, you can make 70. And I'm like, no, dude, I can't. I'm not going to try either. 
So I don't know what that answer is. I would love to, to fight a middleweight and then like stay at the 205 range to fight on short notice. And I ran Leota Machida all the way out of Bellator. <laughs> yeah, I was about to ask you about that. So, Did you guys see yeah, that? <laughs> yeah, so tell us about that because I thought, I thought maybe you could fight him in the future. Nah, bro. Well, you got to think for him, it's a lose lose situation. Like if he if he fights me and beats me, who the Whatever. he just beat a he just <laughs> yeah. beat the guy that got his ass beat by that dude from Arizona, the big deep freeze guy, and uh, or if he loses, you know, oh my gosh, he lost to the guy that looks like chewed bubble gum that lost to that guy from Arizona, and it would just you know for sure nail in the coffin on the career. But I would just love that fight. I was just pipe dreaming, I guess. You know, I knew though from I know enough about MMA to know that that would would have never happened. It may tell you the fight I could see happening though, as far as on some legend fight shit. Mm-hmm. Is I know y'all want to see me fight Melvin Manhub. <laughs> That would just be who knocks out who, man. That's like, that's what that's gonna happen there. I don't believe he could KO me now. He's no? he's 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 past that level, man. Uh, just to be honest, now I wouldn't count him out. But you got to remember this about me. I watched. I used to watch his highlight reel before every one of my fights. I've I watched him fight in the uh, 2010 Grand Prix live you know at two o'clock in the morning japan mm-hmm. <laughs> on japanese time uh i know him so well that i just don't uh, he could not couldn't out hustle me and once i hit him his chin is a lot in a lot worse shape than mine but i do it would be hard for me to fight him because i like him so much i used to watch his highlight before every one of my fights seriously right on. there we go it would be good, man. But uh, Machida, I, I don't, still don't know that whole story on him, like what happened. And somebody told me he was going back to UFC. They tagged me on Twitter and said, it's because he's ducking the big fucking tuna. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is brought to you by the good folks at New Smile. Just use the code PROSPORTS to get $150 off any of their teeth aligning kits. So turn up the dial on your smile with New Smile. Now on to the show. I was going to ask you, what's the uh, what's the MMA scene like in Mississippi? Oh, brother. <laughs> Good question. Um, that is like the Wild West for real here. You know what the difference between uh, amateurs and pros is here? The money? <laughs> is that it? Two minutes round time and the money. Oh. You go from three to five minutes and you get paid. Now... Summit Fights takes really good care. People ask me why I fought for them so much as I did. It's because they take the best care as far as being reasonable for the fighters and athletes. Um, They let them work for their fair share. If you want to do it, that's what you're going to be. It's going to be aired on YouTube. You know, it's got a little platform to it by now. Yeah. They pay their amateurs ticket commissions and they work like other little, they let them sell their merchandise and stuff. So shout out to summit fights like even though i've wanted to strangle the promoter a couple times <laughs> i still love him jamie houston <laughs> uh, but, but besides that bro 12 to 6 elbows legal heel hooks is amateurs four ounce gloves thinnest copy paper like we really do get down <laughs> down here so bellator is like a picnic in comparison yeah like dude, <laughs> and that's what blows my mind again not complaining, but you can't deny facts. He grabbed the fence for fucking full 10 seconds almost. And he, he had the inside of my gloves and he punched me in the back of the head really hard one time. It was the only good shot he hit me with. He hit me in the back of the head. And I was automatically like, wow, 
I can't believe this guy is beating me at my own game. He is super <laughs> dirty. And I should have did it first. And, I, uh, you know, that's why I ended up mad, man. I've grabbed the fence before on accident. I could walk up to one of y'all and double arm shove you, and you're going to stick your hands out in both directions to catch yourself. That's yeah, that's re- just reflex, genetic. Yeah. That's an innate thing. Right. It's it's an instinct and not a um, – <laughs> and you know i've grabbed the inside of the gloves before a little bit too i don't know if you guys have ever trained real hard and stuff that's a classic trick yep and then by the time the ref sees it you let it go you know you go to something else <laughs> but hey remember yeah. stuff like this happens our refs like i watch for try to watch for stuff like that but even i've probably missed the glove grab before but it, I, the whole time i'm trying to yell at them because I, I stay pretty calm in the octagon because i've just been do i guess i've been doing it so long and I could carry on a conversation with you like we were at the gym. It's just the tenacity has changed, you know. We're having to fight a little bit harder. We ain't just sparring. But a, a lot of guys, I, I haven't had very many intentional fouls happen while I was refing. Our refs are pretty good in Mississippi for the most part. Um, I learned from one of the best guys, Mike Kane. He, he actually got me into refing. And David Ferguson, he actually lives in Tennessee, but he's on the board here. And we actually just got a new commissioner. It used to be John Lewis, and he resigned which is I'm wondering about because that's an appointed position. Yeah. The governor appointed him and he does a lot with bare knuckle fighting championship. And he just resigned and stepped down and gave it to this guy named Randy. I don't even know his last name. (laughs) And and he, you know, I, I want a guy that's been doing this stuff as long as I have to be the commissioner that literally knows about MMA or if they're going to, or it's actually called the Mississippi boxing organization. So if they want to have their own guy for boxing, they should have their own guy for boxing and their own guy for MMA. And they could split the salary. That's how that should work in my opinion. But what do I know? For sure. But so how, how do you enjoy refing? I don't really enjoy it that much anymore. I really like it, uh, referee in the amateur fights. Okay. Because the pro fights, there's more on the line and more pressure. And, you know, I made that bad call in a fight against Joseph Tran, and I don't even remember the kid he fought in CFFC. He's from up north somewhere. He's a wrestler, too. Mm-hmm. And he caught a kick, jump ashigurami the guy, for real. He like jumping leg lock. Yeah. The dude was wise to it and was sitting his hips down, keeping his foot in the middle and just socking him for probably a solid minute and a half. And his head was stuck in the floor the whole time going for that leg while he's hitting. His head's not moving. So I was like, damn, he's he's hitting this dude really hard. And I could have talked to Joe and checked on him to see if he was okay. And I didn't. And I stopped it. And he, he didn't know what was happening and why the fight was stopping. Dude, everybody, it was his hometown, everybody in there was booing me, man, tagging <laughs> yeah. me in posts on Facebook, flaming me because they all know me. Yeah. It's coming up by the cage like, fuck you, Parrish. I'm waiting on you when you leave, man. I'm waiting <laughs> on you. We're going to talk about this, dude. This fucked up. Stick to fighting, fat ass. You know, stuff like that <laughs> yeah. repeatedly. And, like, I, and there was this one kid. I finally, dude, I, I did a really good job of just ignoring him. Mike told me, bro, you got to be like Kenny Powers. Just ignore him. But I, yeah. I slipped one time. I walked over there to that other corner and stuck my mouth through the cage and said, I dare you to wait on me when I leave here. <laughs> I dare you to wait on me. He pissed me off bad. He was uh, he was calling, kept calling me fat. And I said, I dare you to wait on me at the, you know, outside this venue right here when I get done. And sure enough, they weren't there. But I've never <laughs> seen a replay of that fight. And I, I felt like, at the time, I felt like it was a good stoppage. I've never seen the replay, so I'm thinking that there's a case that it may, it may be a good stoppage. But I, I don't enjoy refing because of that. Yeah. But, like, the amateurs, 
I'm real quick to try to teach them while I'm repping, you know, like I had one fight. This is was really cool. I had one amateur fight between, um, I'm gonna try to give some light to some of these guys from Mississippi that are, uh, coming on up a guy named james wells from memphis tennessee at brian hall's gym and a guy named jay henry from danny shell's bang gym in horn lake mississippi and it was a really good fight both of those dudes are really high level 155ers you probably mm-hmm. see them around the pros pretty soon they're they've, they're about capped out on amateur career now they were fouling the shit out of each other because they were both <laughs> wanted it really bad. And it's it's one-to-one in round three. And this dude is like, got a Kimura trap or something. I don't even remember what he did. And the other guy just starts kicking him in the face on the ground. Blatantly. <laughs> just, just lay, yeah, they're both laying <laughs> side by side. And he's just kicking the kicking him in his face. <laughs> and like, he was, he was grabbing the fence before that. And I'd already warned him. And dude, when he did that, he punched him after I broke it. The other guy did because he was mad. I stood them both up and gave him a dad lecture right in the middle of the octagon. Took a point for the from the repeat offender and reset him in the position. They went right back to scrapping hard. And, and one of the, the, the guy that, that didn't get the point took ended up submitting him with like 20 seconds left. It was one of the best fights, amateur fights around here for a while. But. Uh, I love having these uh, little small lessons. And then after fights, like I'll always go tell them why I stopped it, what they needed to work on. If they just got absolutely blasted, you know, and and I didn't have to tell them, you know, if I didn't have to explain the stoppage to them, I just, you know, told them where to work on. And I know almost every gym and gym owner from middle Arkansas to southeastern Alabama, probably all the way down, even in some into Louisiana too, probably every one of those states between there and most of Tennessee, even all the way out to Atlanta. I know pretty much all the gym guys who to train with, where you need to go. And, and I always point them in the right direction. And if anybody listens to this, that's in the MMA game, don't be a dickhead and try to pretend to be a superstar. I don't care if you fought for Bellator UFC Eagle fighting championship. I don't care. But treat everybody the same. Be nice to them and help them out. If they come to your gym to train, you got new people coming to your gym. Don't be like, oh man, look at look at that guy wearing uh, flip flops and leggings. Let's oddball him or let's rough him up grappling. <laughs> don't do it, man. Like, be mm-hmm. nice to everybody. Now that being said, if they come in with the chip, Matt check the Matt check their ass. That's totally yep. fine. Yep. But if they're not. Don't just be getting your rocks off because you can German suplex them farther than Brock Lesnar across the mat. It's not cool. And people will stop coming to gyms because they think that MMA guys will just beat the shit out of them all the time, which I'm trying to erase that stigmatism too, because it really is one of the best environments that you can enter into. Yeah, sure. Now, Big Tuna, in the lead up to your fight in September, you were talking about you were against bullying. Right. And it, it kind of showed when you mentioned how you were willing to wait for someone outside the ring when you were refereeing. You're really not down for that kind of behavior. But tell us a bit more about that. It, it was one of those things, man. People ask me all the time, um, was I bullied? And, and no, I was I was not because I grew up, like I said, in the neighborhood of 10 boys. All right. And I'm the youngest one. So like they would. They would pick on me, but it made me tough. That and you know nobody else could pick on me type deal. These are like my brothers, older yeah. brothers almost. Still to this day, I, I love all of them the same. And we would thug it out together over anything. When in like school, if anybody else tried to bully me, you know I was like, huh, "Are you kidding me? Whack!" <laughs> 
it quick to solve it that way. I had one kid that was like known to be a little prankster, bully prick, and he poured salt in my hair while I was asleep at the lunch oh. table. Man, I was sick. And I didn't even say a word, man. I just stood up. I had long hair too then. I shook it out, and they were all laughing. And I walked around that lunch table, and I slapped him like both the Diaz brothers at the same time. Whack! <laughs> and, dude, he stood there looking mortified. And I said, you know, what? You what is up? What, you, what, you ain't saying nothing now? You want to pour salt on me again? And I wanted to fight him. I was like, yeah, I pulled my pants up. And was like, let's, you know, let's run it then. And he wouldn't do it because I just slapped him in front of the whole lunchroom <laughs> and it punked him out. And, hey, I never, that kid, I don't think he ever got crossed with anybody ever again like that. And actually ended up, me and him, his name's Devin Stewart, me and him were actually friends. So he, he, he probably needed that in his life. He was, he would get in trouble a lot when he was young. And one day I just, I was the guy that just slapped the shit out of him because he was tough and he never did that shit again. So I, no, I've never been bullied. You got to slap some sense into him sometimes. And all those guys like that were talking about me on Instagram and how I looked, it was like, they y'all just really don't know. Like you're literally making fun of a guy that could be compared to John Wick. If you got in the same room as me, Mm -hmm. I could literally kill your whole crew with my bare hands very quickly. And, they don't understand that pissed me off because like you guys ain't won no fights even some of the ones that did it's like dude your opponent's combined record is oh and 100 (laughs) you ain't took no tough fights and if if you think that that it's you know that i'm that guy come find out you can find Mm -hmm. out Uh, bellator won't just bring these bozos in maybe we should campaign for that let's have like a civilian challenge where we get one guy i'll fight as many civilian internet tough guys that'll sign up for it back to back to back to back until one of them beats me and just to do the study on how many average you know wannabes a real mma fighter could beat up and not even one of the best ones i mean obviously i'm not the best fighter of all time but i am pretty damn good at everything or fairly good at everything Mm. And I'm down to find out against civilian internet gangsters any day. See, I don't, I do have, like I said, you hear this, I don't want to bang on my keyboard too much, but I've got a um, badass mechanical keyboard. It's like uh, the micro Uzi of, um, <laughs> of a uh, computer keyboard. So when I got to knock this off and do some online trolling myself, it's brutal. So I try to steer clear of that. Uh, uh, I haven't had any negative guys come after me this time. I did have one guy message me and he was like, you got fucked up. You're fat or something like that. And I just laughed. I was like, he had a fake, it was a fake profile. And mm, I just, of course. I, I, I typed a response out and then I was like, wait, I mean, I really got him good. And I backspace it all. I'm like, you know what? It's going to hurt you worse for me to not respond. Because <laughs> you're, you're stuck in my message request now. And I'm never <laughs> going to see it. So it, it hurts them worse when you do that. But if, if, if they do it in public, in the comment section, I'm getting them, bro. I'm getting them big time. Lay them out. Now, speaking of public, when are we going to one day see, not just in MMA, but all combat sports, when are we going to see live scores? Like, I want to see fights where at the end of the round, I want to see what the judges have given. I want to see that full disclosure. I'm sure fighters like you do too. 
I think they should do that as well. Because let's say as Sully Collie had laid on me for two rounds and I was like, damn, I'm, I'm doing well. Uh, I'll just go back out here and pull guard and try to submit him another round. You know, and then you look over there and see it's 2-0, 2-0, 2-0. You're like, oh shit, I'm losing. I got to go get this guy now. I think they should do that. It, it adds to the, the drive a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, you'd ima- could you imagine a guy like uh, Ray Cooper seeing that it was 1-1 going into round three? what that's doing to his mindset. You guys know who Ray Cooper is? Yep. Yeah, right. <laughs> boom, boom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just think it'll, it'll, it'll help everyone out. It'll help the people at the fight. It'll help the people watch on TV. Uh, the announcers probably helps them too. So I just, I, I need to see it. Cope, what do you think? I, I honestly think it's the way it is right now is because they're so concerned about protecting the, the judges. Mm. You know what I mean? Like they, they don't want a round that is obviously gone to one guy and then you see the three judges scores and one of them's got it the other way. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Which happens for whatever reason it happens. Mm-hmm. I, I will say this. Um, watching a fight in person around the octagon like i see how some of these judges can get it like you know it was like oh that was 10-8 round for so and so and then this this other judge has got it you know the round for the other guy it's all on like how do i say like sensations like what you hear and see and mm. even kind of feel when you're that close you know you can hear and see the smacks they hit different and and there's this one there's one fight my brother judges sometimes as well he's a judge i don't i don't judge really that much because i have adhd and i'm sure you got you boys have noticed i ramble sometimes he had the fight for one guy Trey Manley is his name. He's also he got we got the same manager, and the other guy you guys may have heard of was Caleb Harris, the bare knuckle guy. He's okay. from Jackson, he's from Jackson, Mississippi. Fought MMA too for a while, and I had the fight for Caleb Harris, and everybody else there it was like 50-50. Half the people thought Trey won, half the people thought Caleb won, and there was a situation where there was a knockdown. Okay, so if you're on the south side of the cage watching the back of the guy that got knocked down, it looks like he just got smoked, right? Okay. But I'm in the front side. I'm behind Trey Manley, and I see Trey Manley hit him, and I see that his feet were off the ground, and it more or less like hit him so hard in his gloves, his feet went one way and his body went the other, and he popped right back up super quick. Yeah, everybody in the room was torn just because of that moment. But I saw from one side perspective that he was okay, and it was a slip more than anything. You look behind him though; you watch from where they were looking. It looks like he got ram jam. Yeah, looked like he got looked like he got laid out. But you noticed it was just an off balance slip, basically. So I don't know if the answer is to have the judges watch the uh, multiple monitor type deal, because being cage side affects it. The sound, the the sight, you can't see as good, especially if they go to a corner and they're clinching. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And the cage doesn't help. No, <laughs> right? definitely. It, it doesn't. And it's literally like, it's literally like little holes you have to peek through. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it's fair. That's that's unusual. You don't get to hear anybody uh, speaking up for the judges too often. Well, now that goes without saying though there i mean there are some classic f-ups on their end one that comes to mind i I, you know i I really can't even say it now one of my least favorite decisions is nick diaz carlos condit and i could see how you know i may be fanboying a little bit but I, i see how perspective wise if you were ringside 
and you saw some of the counters he was landing mm-hmm. versus the pressure of Diaz literally slapping him around the octagon for 25 minutes that you might give it to him. But uh, I, I, they do need to do something, at least have more experienced judges and not just rinky-dink records. No, for sure. For sure. Yeah, I'd like to see that for sure. And I guess one other question I got got for you, Ben, is you talked about the importance of hydration when you're fighting. Tell us a bit more about that because it may sound like an obvious question, but it clearly makes a difference. So tell us the fighter's perspective on that. Yeah, if you aren't like greased up with fluids, everything should be running like a fountain, so to speak. Uh, You should always have... You should keep the cycle going. You know what I'm saying? The water helps mm. push and carry, and electrolytes help hold water. So you got to balance that out. My, the way I do everything is just pretty much by balance. That's why I fight at 205. I just eat a really balanced, healthy diet, work out, really balance everything out. You notice my arms aren't just massive. My legs are pretty much there. Everything's about the same. Of course, I'm, while I'm saying this, I do look like chew bubblegum. <laughs> You'd have to get up on me to see, you know, how much work I'd be doing, man. I, I really felt good when they stopped the fight in the last one, too. And I was super hydrated. And I feel like he was starting to get really tired. Hmm. You know, obviously, I couldn't really see him because he was hiding his head really well because I split his ass open. Um, but, you know, if you dehydrate yourself 20 pounds over that week versus me doing like five, by the time round three gets there and you've lost all this fluid, you're going to not feel good. Yeah, you're done. It's not going to feel very well. It's going to feel like a hangover while you're getting your ass beat. Yeah. And that, you know, basically the best way I think I could compare it to is like a hangover. Cause you know, alcohol dehydrates you and you dehydrate yourself. You know, you guys have probably woke up at three in the morning after going on a little bender with the boys and you're like, <gasps> so thirsty. <laughs> imagine feeling like that. And I've got you crucifixed, punching you in the head. Yeah. Oh, you wouldn't be able to think. <laughs> not good. Not good at all. But one thing that is good is your social media, Ben. So where can our fans find you on social media? Um, I'm at Ben Big Tuna on everything. Twitter. I have a Facebook page that's Ben Big Tuna Parish. Um, but bro, I'm just gonna be honest with you, dog. I I don't run my Facebook page. I get on there and answer DMs, and that's it. Really, <laughs> I don't post a lot on it. Uh, and I, I'm really more on my Instagram. I, that's that's me. And I have another guy that helps me with Twitter because my brother. Uh, I don't. Um, dude, I just <laughs> I can't focus on the Twitter. The ADHD kills me on it, man. It 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 just it, the app is different every time I use it. I just don't understand it. It's kind of kind of silly. No, I get that. I... <laughs> knee, knee hates Twitter. I, I, yeah, I, dude, I don't I'm right man. there with you, brother. It sucks. I feel like is this a place where you go and you Beach. have passive-aggressive fights with people and then you post yeah. stuff that's going to get used against you six years later? It's like, I don't know, yeah. this is a waste that's of time it. for me. <laughs> that's it. You're exactly right, brother. And that's why I'm just like, bro, if I want to argue with them, I'll just call them. I'm finna start doing that, bro. You know what I'm finna start doing the next time I get a DM of somebody flaming me? I'm gonna video call them. Right on. <laughs> yeah. I want to. I just wanted to see what you look like, whether you're or not, just to tell you, so I can look in your eyes and tell you I will absolutely beat the shit out of you. Exactly. There we go. No, I appreciate your time today, Ben. And yes, brother, I had a good time, man. If you have any questions for the Pro Sports Podcasters. Be sure to reach us on our Twitter account. 
where you can also slide into our DMs and catch the latest snippets, dirt, and other exclusive things that we will tweet. Check us out at P Podcasters on Twitter.